1: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Mo. Jamal Force. you can find me on Twitter at Let Mo Tell It. Do not forget the you. On the show today, you know what time it is, man. We are previewing week two of the Washington Commanders season. Can the Commanders go 2-0 against the Detroit Lions? We'll find out. But we do have Jeremy Reisman on. Uh, Jeremy Reisman covers the Detroit Lions for SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. He'll be joining me in the show, share some insight into the Detroit Lions. And then we have the good man, my guy, Linnell Willingham. Linnell covers the Commanders on the team, 980 and 106.7, the fan, throughout the week and on Commanders game day, uh, those Sundays. Linnell and I, you know, we spoke on our three keys to a Washington win um, and a few random commanders topics that were important as we approached the matchup versus Detroit. Um, if you find yourself some time, let's go ahead and knock this thing out right quick. If you find yourself some, with some spare time today, date, uh, you know, it takes two seconds to leave that rating and review. We truly appreciate it um, and it helps the people. The potentials know that this is a quality podcast worth listening to. We definitely appreciate that thing over there um, as we continue to build this platform up. Um, and nonetheless, as always, we appreciate you all for watching um, or listening, watching soon because video will be coming out for a podcast, but uh, not right now. <laughs> um, not right now. Uh, before we get into the interview with Jeremy, uh, this is a big week for Washington. Uh, but I don't want to make it seem like it's a big week to the degree in which you know you have to go two and zero against the Detroit Lions. I'm not in that boat. Um, I don't think that you have to go two and zero. Um, I think what it does for the fan base, though, in a fan base that is seemingly, you know, I mean, we always knew that this was like a, a a sleeping giant, Washington, in their fan base and in our fan base, in a sense. But I think like, the win itself in Detroit is not necessarily going to, or a loss in Detroit is not necessarily going to scare uh, the fans who who want to come back to FedEx and be a part of uh, what could be a great season, uh, quote-unquote great season, you know, I don't want to sit here and, and, you know, use great and, and have y'all think 13, 14 wins, um, you know, that's obviously a good thing if it happens, but, um, you know, it's not going to stop them from showing up at FedEx Field, right, and and being a part of this season in whichever way that they want to contribute, uh but I don't think that the Detroit game is necessarily a must win uh but ultimately, the importance behind this is more so understanding that the the opportunity that you have in front of you now you did escape against the jaguars you 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 were able to overcome three turnovers from an offensive standpoint and beat the detroit uh beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. excuse me I mean now you have another opportunity against the Detroit Lions and where uh, they're a little bit more experienced. They have veterans in p- important positions, uh, specifically the quarterback position. And you have player coaches who have seen a ton of things and they have experience and they can help their players out as well. Uh, but they also have some talent too. Like that offense is, is something serious in Detroit. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're a top 10, top five offense, um, but they are much more coordinated. <laughs> they are much more coordinated than the Jacksonville Jaguars. From a just from a team standpoint, and obviously from an offensive standpoint, uh, I think there's one thing that you'll I mean we'll talk about it all when we get to Linnell uh, specifically, and, and as we break down our keys to the game. Uh, but uh, I think that this offense for Detroit is going to be much more much different and much more challenging for the Commanders defense than the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Just think about it like that. Uh, they missed several opportunities, so. Uh, Washington really needs to get on their game this week, and I think that they're capable. Uh, but they're just gonna have to show us there's some things that they have to shore up. And while it was week one, I think the best thing that, that could have happened is that they won, and they'll they'll be able to you know correct these issues on the fly. And you you just hope that they'll be able to do it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our interviews. Uh, first, uh, we do have uh, Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit, SB Nation. We'll talk to him. About the Detroit Lions, get a perspective of uh, what's on the horizon for the Washington Commanders as we head to Ford Field on Sunday. Joining us right now is Jeremy Reisman. Uh Jeremy is on the beat covering the Detroit Lions for SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. I do appreciate you joining me today, Jeremy. Uh let's go ahead and start things off. Um before we get into what went right and what went wrong for Detroit and Philly, was this a game that Detroit should have won?
0: Uh probably not. Um, I I think I can be honest there. Uh, I I didn't have expectations for them to win that game. I think Philly's got a pretty well-rounded roster in general. I mean, obviously we have to wait and see if that defense is going to rebound like I think they want it to, but they've got talented players really at every position. And while I think the Lions are just, they're still very young. They're still trying to figure out their identity. And, uh, you know, they're still just a a very mistake prone team. It was nice to see them kind of hang in there, especially after falling down by 17 twice in that game. But um, I, I think the Eagles were the better team that
1: day. All right, so uh, I, I obviously watched this game was going on during the midst of the Detroit and Philly. Um, so I was I was box score watching in a mm-hmm. sense, but what went right and what went wrong for Detroit? And Philly, I guess we can. You can take the. You can take the bad or first. Or you can take the good first. The floor is yours. I'm
0: I'm a first, I'm a good first kind of guy. So let's talk about the good with the lines and and it starts with the running game. And I'm sure everyone who plays fantasy football is, is aware of the day that uh, DeAndre Swift had, and um, a lot of that has to do with a, a really strong offensive line, which is kind of the identity of of at least on offense what what they're all about. Um, you know, I think he was second in yards per rush before contact. And that's usually a great sign of, of your offensive line putting in work and against a really good de- Philly defensive front. Uh, I think it's a very promising sign. I know the Washington's got a pretty formidable one of their own, so it should be a good contest there as well. Um, but, but Swift looked r- really good, you know, making the first guy miss just about on every single carry you had averaged, you know, seven point, whatever per carry. Um, just in general, I, I think he looks like a new explosive back right now. And, I was good I was going to say finally healthy but now apparently he's dealing with an ankle injury but we'll see how that progresses through the week. Um on the bad side it's almost the exact opposite. Um they the lines just could not contain Jalen Hurts whatsoever. Um you know they, they have a better pass rush this year than they have in years past but they weren't staying true to their rushing lanes. Um, they weren't f- finishing wrapping up. Jalen Hurts is a tough guy to bring down but they made him look like Michael Vick out there. So um mm. man it it, it was a uh, it was a tough go for for the defense in general but um it should be interesting to see how they perform against a more pocket presence kind of quarterback this week
1: yeah and and one of the concerns that i had or questions was was pertaining to hurts and you know he had 90 rushing yards on 17 attempts And, and obviously like you just mentioned it's essentially you won't face a dual threat quarterback like him often um how much of a concern though is the rush defense in detroit is this something that washington could exploit or are we looking at something where um again mobile quarterback and then obviously uh, a decent running back behind them uh, and, and that's kind of what a combination of, of uh exploits that they had on their side to take advantage of
0: yeah it, it's it's a good question and, and we won't really know probably until Sunday but last year it was a you know, this was a team that did struggle to defend the run. They were a bottom five team in, in run defense. Um, they they like they'd like to tell you that it's improved. Um, you know, they have kind of a new set of of linebackers. You know, the sixth round rookie Malcolm Rodriguez is kind of big, been the big sensation since Hard Knocks, but he's actually mm-hmm. playing pretty darn well as well. But the the real weakness I think is on the interior defensive line. You know, Michael Brockers isn't playing like he used to. Um, you know, Levi Onsarike is last year's second round pick. He's on IR, so he won't play in this game. Um, and, and really Aleem McNeil is kind of the one good player in that group. And he's still kind of coming into his own as, as a second year player himself. The one thing I will say, and, and you can throw preseason stats away, but you know, the lines faced one mobile quarterback in the preseason in, in uh, Marcus Mariota. And then they didn't the next two games and they absolutely shut down the run in the next two games again, preseason. So. I mean, it kind of depends what you want. Do you want to look at last year? Well, last year was last year. You want to look at the preseason, yeah. well, preseason, to preseason. We'll, we'll really find out on Sunday. But there's kind of arguments to be made on both sides that it's it's improved. But I'm I'm not expecting the run defense to be like a top ten, top fifteen unit this year. I think I think if the lines are going to see improvement there, we're we're talking like twenty eight to maybe twenty.
1: Now, while we're on the subject of defensive line, um and, and interior defensive line, let's let's go a little bit wider out and talk about these edge rushers. and pass rush in general. How did Aiden Hutchinson look and um was the the pass rush there for Detroit uh with, with the, the new addition, the new rookie?
0: I would say when the Lions rushed four, um they weren't as productive as I think they were hoping to be. Um Aiden Hutchinson, I I think he was okay in his debut, you know. Again, he was, he was definitely victimized by overrunning um, Jalen Hurts, leaving maybe his, his pass rush lanes, things like that. But I don't expect those concerns to continue, obviously, with more of a pocket quarterback. So uh, I don't think there's much concern with him. I, I've been one that's been really high on Charles Harris ever since his breakout year last year, um, but he was not good in, in the opener. But the thing is, the lines were very, very aggressive, and I don't know if they're going to do, you know, maybe that was just a Jalen Hurts thing where they don't want him comfortable back there. They want to make sure he's running around and 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 they're chasing him all over the place. Maybe that's just what they're going to be, but they sent a lot of linebacker blitzes up the a gap. They sent a lot, you know, even more defensive back blitzes than I've seen this team make in in, in a long time. So that stuff worked for the most part. So I think the lines, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's their identity. Cause there are some questions in the secondary. I don't, I don't think they want quarterbacks sitting back there being comfortable because I think that opens them up to, to really being vulnerable to being picked apart. So uh, I, I think the
1: pass rush will be good this year. Um, I just think they might need to bring some extra help for it. My, and what kind of, so like when I listen to Dan Campbell speak, like I, I was a fan of the Hard Knocks this year and and just in general, like last year when he did his pressure, um, I thought it was, I thought it was off the wall, but <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm here. You got my attention. I'm locked in, right? I, I'm here for it. But just to that point of, of how he speaks and how he wants his teams to, to play, like the makeup is more so about uh, the trench working and, and working in the trenches and dominating the trenches. And it sounds like the offensive line is there um, based on what you all did against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, the defensive line is something where uh, it, it's still a work in progress, which is perfectly fine, obviously, two years into your regime as a head coach. When it comes to Dan Campbell and his ability to to right the ship in Detroit, uh, obviously we had an insight, uh, thanks to Hard Knox, but from a person who lives this on a day-to-day and covering the team, uh, just not, de- not even – exclusively dealing with hard knocks. How has Dan Campbell worked to kind of write the ship in Detroit? Is this something that you all are buying in or is this more so like a wait and see type of situation?
0: Well, I think in terms of like the culture building, I think he's done a phenomenal job. I think, I think it's not just like that, you know, gritty attitude where he's, you know, cutting wrestling promos and things like that in press conferences. It, it's just a matter of him being authentic every day. He's like that. Like he's being his true self, whether he's in front of the media, whether he's in the locker room, whether he's out there on the field, he's being the same self that he is. And that's something that, that people respond to in general in any any form of life. Like if you're just being your authentic self, people are going to gravitate towards that and appreciate that. And so I think he's got the respect of just about every single person in that room. And, and the fact that he's surrounded himself with, with smart coaches and former players like that, that's the big thing that they highlighted. That's on the Hard one Knox, thing I noticed that it's a huge All thing, right? Players. These, these players are going to listen to people who have gone through it. Right. And, and because they trust that they have their best, Thing in mind if, if they've been through the grind they're not going to put you in a position to lose they're not going to push you in a position to get hurt they've got your best interest in mind and and when you've done it yourself when you've gone through that grind yourself like it's it's a fraternity having been in the nfl period and so i i think i think it's a really interesting process that they're doing and it feels like something new that not a ton of other teams are doing you know it's not it's not unheard of that former players like yeah. if i'm not mistaken i i think washington just recently i can't remember who he was here yep yeah, that's Ed right. Kerrigan Kerrigan is, is and and even the staff.
1: defensive line coach uh, that they elevated when they fired Sam Mills, former player as well.
0: Yeah. So it, it's, it seems like it's a new trend and the lines have just kind of taken it to the extreme. They've got seven or eight guys who've played in the NFL before on their coaching staff. Um, so in terms of just like the culture building and the trust between coaches and players, that is incredibly strong, especially for a team that's only won three games in, in, in this regime's history. Um I, I think the, the part that's still lacking, though, is just like the actual on-field improvement, right? We've seen some players get better, and and I think I think that's a assessment to the coaching staff. But the there's still a long ways to go, and uh, and well, that part I think everyone has to wait and see. And considering Lions fans have have gone through the okay, the culture is here, or you know, we finally got the new head coach, whatever. Like, there's a lot of them that it's like okay, but show me. But a fair amount, but but at the same time, like there is a, an extreme amount of Dan Campbell mania. In Detroit too, because he's
1: he's he's a hard guy not to like. Hey, look, I'm I'm rooting for him personally. Like, like I said before we started, I'm a football fan first and foremost. Uh, so, like, I'm I'm rooting for all underdogs, especially in the situation where Detroit, because um, you know, winning not in a disrespectful way just comes hard in, in Detroit sure? from a historical standpoint. So, I mean, it is what it is. But I'm rooting for Dan uh, Dan Campbell in Detroit. But speaking of player development that you mentioned, Jeremy, um, Jared Goff is in year two with uh dan campbell and obviously the detroit lions um and a situation that i mean obviously he isn't viewed as a franchise quarterback and and things like that and when i think about Jericho, if i think about his first year under jeff fisher and how terrible he looked there and i'm not saying he was terrible in detroit his first year but what i'm saying is the transformation that he had in that first year to second year uh from jeff Fisher to sean McVay and 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 dramatically increasing his play his level of production um I can only think of what year two can do for him in Detroit uh what is the confidence level in Jared Goff uh as his second year started um and obviously after week one where's your confidence level in him just to even maintain throughout this season not even as a future franchise guy where's your confidence level at yeah it's 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 more than it was last year but it's
0: not high um the coaching staff loves him and you know, the big difference between this year and last year is really a supporting cast. You know, last year they went into the season with Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. They were going to be the one and two receivers. And now both of them are gone. I'm not sure either of them are even on a team anymore, um, but the Lions have, you know, they brought in DJ Chark. They were able to bring in Josh Reynolds mid-week, midway through last season, and he helped provide kind of a late season spark. And then obviously Amon Ross St. Brown has kind of exploded onto the scene. Yes. And Jameson Williams is just waiting. We're just waiting for Jameson Williams to show up. Um, but you put all of that together with a pretty good offensive line with a healthy, healthy TJ Hawkinson with a running game and DeAndre Swift. And they've really surrounded himself with just about everything they he could possibly need. They even, you know, they built the offense around what he liked to do in Los Angeles when when he did have success. So they've kind of set him up perfectly at, for for everything to go right. And I don't know last week was not great for him. Um, I think he was inaccurate. I think there was some some jitters. I think, it, you know, he only had one series in the preseason so I feel like some of those live bullets coming at him when when there's actual pressure that that can actually hit him that wasn't his best and that's never been his best game when when the pressure is coming he's a he's the kind of quarterback that doesn't really have a counter to that he can't scramble he 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 doesn't he's not the kind of guy guy that really likes to you know release a ball and, and and absorb a hit so I think that's something that he's going to have to really prove to me that he's capable of doing if if he you know I don't know. There, there are some people I, th- I think within the organization that think he could be the, the future franchise quarterback, Ooh. but I'm just I'm not there yet. And I th- I think this is a, such a pivotal year for him because, again, they have such a, a nice setup for him that if he can't succeed in this setup, then I think that's pretty much all you need to know about him.
1: So speaking on staying on this offensive side, we touched on DeAndre for a second in terms of what went right for these guys, but offensively. Is he the ultimate chess piece for this Detroit offense or, or is it somebody else that, that hasn't been mentioned yet? Yeah, no, I, th- I think
0: he's kind of the centerpiece. I think he's the guy that they want the offense to go around. They, you know, Dan Campbell really is in, in some cases has that old school mentality of like, I want to run the ball. I want to f- be physically imposing. And, and Deandre Swift is their, their home run hitting there, home run hitter there. He's, he's a guy that that, that can turn any four or five yard run in, into a 41. So, um and you know, second run of the game, he had a, a second play of the game. I think it was, it was a 50 yard run against the Eagles. And I think he had another three or four that went for at least 10 yards. So he was explosive. Um, and, and then, and, and then I think they want to build off that play action. And that's something that Jared Goff was really good at in Los Angeles. And when he was good in Los Angeles, he had a really good running back. Um, and so th- I I think they're really just trying to rebuild some of that stuff, but but they are trying to push the ball downfield a lot more than they did last year. You know, last year Jared Goff I think averaged the lowest average depth of target in the league. You know, just not just thinking in Duncan all the time. But now that you have DJ Chark, now that you have Josh Reynolds, now that um, you know when Jameson Williams comes back, they're going to have a lot of deep threats. And and we saw DJ Chark catch a 22 yard touchdown. You know, they didn't test deep as much as I think that they wanted to last week. But again, if if they're if they get the running game going, if they can get pressure um you know subdued by by washington i, th- I think they're going to take some deep shots as well
1: so as you size up for for washington obviously for week two what is detroit's biggest in your opinion biggest strength uh, advantage on the offensive side of the football as well as defense what do you think that uh, works well for detroit that you think that they can take advantage of against washington
0: yeah i think it, it's pr- it's definitely on that offensive side of the ball and and i you know i think because Washington has such a formidable defensive line, especially in the interior, I'm not I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I think it might be at the next levels. So I think I think this this receiving core has an opportunity to break out against some Washington secondary guys who are you know not not great but not bad. Um, you know the linebacking core I know is, is is a little bit of a concern, so maybe that's an opportunity for T.J. Hawkinson or DeAndre Swift to get involved in the passing game. Um, I just think the Lions have a lot of weapons that can attack it kind of every level of the defense and i'm not sure if washington uh really has the defensive roster to, to cover all of those
1: do you think all right actually let me rephrase this one detroit uh, uh, i think i believe at this point is two point favorites or maybe mm-hmm. two and a half point favorites against the commanders um i'm not going to make a big deal about this. this is the first time they've been favored in two years like who cares <laughs> that doesn't matter right. um right. ultimately uh is this a game that you see uh What's the percent chance in it that you lay like 50% or 51% Detroit 49% Washington? How do you kind of how do you kind of picture this this game coming down to from a chance perspective?
0: It's a it's it's a tricky one because I think I think Washington has a really strong advantage when it comes to their receiving core. I think they 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 might have a better receiving core than, than the Lions do, because again, it's that thing where they can attack every level of the defense. They have really good outside corner outside wide receivers, they have good slot receivers. The tight end group is really, really good. And we also what the backs did in their in the passing game last week against uh, against Jacksonville. So I don't think the Lions are prepared to defend that, but I'm also intrigued on how the Lions' defense is going to respond to a pocket passer, because I think Jalen hurts is, a, is just a unique threat that the lions aren't capable of stopping right now. Maybe someone like Carson Wentz who, who can be a little erratic at times, um, gets a little rattled by the defensive front. So I, you know, this early in the season, I just have so little confidence in any of my predictions because I feel like we don't know <laughs> anything about any of these guys. So I think I'm just going to take the, the Homer route right now. And, and I do really think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, in general, because I think I think I have questions about both teams' defense. If, if I'm being completely honest, um, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a complete homer and say 51% Lions win this game. <laughs>
1: Okay. Sounds good. That's fair enough, man. Look, we, we all have it in us sometimes, you know, especially when it, when it comes to doubt, just look, go go with the home team. Exactly. <laughs> that's all, exactly. that's all it is, man. Hey, but Jeremy, I, I definitely appreciate you joining me today. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to Florida says plug talk just to let everybody know what you got going on, where they can find you, uh, where they can read you, where they can hear from you, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. I've am i I'm read it Pride of Detroit. So ton of uh, info there. Um, You can find me at Detroit DetroitOnLion, all one word, on Twitter. And if you want to catch some of our video content, we stream live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit on Saturday mornings. Kind of fun thing we do is just rerun a Madden Sim where I just let the computer face mm-hmm. off against the computer. So we'll see which virtual team is better. The The Lions are the commanders on, on our Madden Sim.
1: That's not a bad idea, man. I, I have to lock in. I'm I'm on Twitch sometimes too, so definitely gotta lock in. with you see, see, see what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> see what that thing looks like. But Jeremy, appreciate you joining me. Brother, man. You have a good day, man. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. All right, that was Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation, proud of Detroit. Appreciate him for joining me once again. Uh, next up is Linnell Winningham. Uh, a great conversation again. Uh, with the good man, Linnell, of 980 and 106.7, the fan. He's doing great things over there. A busy man, a working man, uh, but getting the work done and making sure that the commanders are covered uh, on all days, anytime, and then on the weekends as well. So uh, a couple things before we get into the interview, uh, and and that'll be the last thing for us over here. Just um, We had a conversation about Jamie Davis and Jack Del Rio prior to, or prior to more information coming out. Uh, we didn't really hear the context of it during the the during the, the actual interview itself, but uh I think that if I had a quick opinion on the situation with Jamin Davis, um I, I really think there's layers and context towards that situation. Obviously if you don't know, Jamin Davis uh, was called out by Jack Del Rio in the press or just essentially saying that he was a little disappointed in Jamin Davis and that uh, you know, he expected to him, to expected Jamin Davis to play much better than what he did in that week one showing against Jacksonville. Um, And those are tough thoughts, tough comments. But Jamin Davis responded to him and just said, you know, he knows that he has to play better and he didn't play too good. Again, in that moment, we really didn't know much uh, in our conversation. But ultimately, uh, we did get more context where I'm explaining that context now. Uh, and I really just think that the conversation really depends on their relationship. Like, you got to think about what it took for Jack Durrell to even say that in the media on this Thursday. And you got to think about, you know, does he know that Jamin Davis can handle it? And if all of those are, are green lights, then there's really no issue. But ultimately, if it was a situation where he had no business speaking on Jamin Davis in the media, and that's a further that's a further problem. I know people who are a little frustrated and upset at Jack Del real because he didn't hold himself accountable. And the fact that there's people who, who are upset that, you know, if you're gonna do something like that, why are we protecting uh Carson Wentz in that same vein? Um now I'm not I'm not saying this. I literally hear people talk about it. <laughs> um so I don't I, again I don't have an issue with Jack Del real really calling him out if that relationship uh, allows for it, allows for Jack Del Rio to put pressure on his player, his young player to step up. Uh, because if he was, like again, think about what it takes for him to say that. If he really expected more out of Jamey Davis, given the all season that he had, the preseason, the training camp, um, it must have really affected Jack Del Rio. Uh, because he saw a lot in Jamey Davis. And that's kind of where we're at. So we're going to go ahead and get into And um, Before we do that, let's hear a word from the official sponsor of the game plan on the Haven podcast, Anti-Up Consulting, and my good man Pete. Up next after that, Linnell Willingham. This Commander's Game Preview episode is brought to you by the good men over at Anti-Up Consulting, the leading sports consulting firm that will undoubtedly make you a sharper, better, increase your win percentage, and accumulate long-term money. That last part is something that we all struggle to deal with from time to time. You need to tap in with the boys P and over there at NCF consultant to really understand how to manage it better, recognize your unit size and make smarter bets altogether. Join their daily wager discord channel for free. Now check the link in the bio. It is right there. I'm in it. I've been in it for some time. I love it in there, man. I get the picks. Uh, I understand, you know what they're thinking, what they're leaning throughout the week before the plays are made. Sometimes you get some of the last second ones. If you're definitely, unsure about a decision, or have some questions, they're there for you. And hit up P to inquire about their one-on-one services to help you win weekly, manage your betting units, and learn the ins and outs of sports handicapping. Speaking of P, let's hear from P about his
2: best bet for week two. This week's best bet, I'm going to take the Jets plus seven points. Um, the Jets, I believe it's a faulty final last week. They had over 100 more yards than the Ravens, 11 more first downs. Um, I think there'll be a less lower passing volume. Uh, against um, this Browns defense um, who had the ball a a ton against the Panthers last week and um, were able to stop their run um, because the Panthers had to play from behind. Motivational P, I feel like this is a letdown spot for the Browns who've been preparing for two months to go against their former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Crazy game winner, which usually leads to a a letdown spot the following week. A lot of rah-rahs, a lot of pats on the back. Um, the Browns are were one of the worst third-down teams last season, ranking 25 out of 32. And then coming into last week, Jacoby Brissett was just 1-5-1 and one against the spread. Last seven games finished as a quarterback, averaging just 13.2 points per game in those games. So I'm going to fade him. And then lastly, Browns, just 5-10 and 10 against the spread as a home fave. Under-hedge coach Kevin Stefanski. So I'm going to fade all of that and take the Jets plus seven
1: joining us right now is lanelle willingham lanelle covers the commanders on 106.7 fan throughout the week and on game day and i do appreciate you joining me today uh i think there's one thing that we can start off with that actually is is a is a good before we get into our three keys obviously uh you know you you, you said something to me before we started and yeah i just ask you point blank what where are you at with this commanders team and, and is this a big week for washington on the road versus detroit it's
3: huge, huge week. I know we don't like to talk about must-win games this early in the season, but if they don't win this football game, then I can't take them seriously. Last weekend, you're facing Jacksonville, and I called it all week. I've been saying they were punching below their weight class. Detroit is in your weight class, and they're going to punch back. So I said before we got on here, I hope we don't get punched in the mouth, and we'll go and get into the keys as we roll on here. But I think, man, this week is going to show so much about them and, and show that this is different because you know how it is. Bro, for years this team lets you down after a quote-unquote big win i'm hoping we'll see that this sunday
1: and i think the important part that you said that i 100 agree with is detroit is in the weight class like we always said even leading into the season um, when you ask other fan bases how they feel about Washington, like, is this a winnable game if you have Washington on your schedule? And when we ask that question to ourselves as, as people who cover the commanders or who are fans of the commanders, some of us who would admittedly say the other team would think that they have a shot to win against Washington. And, and Jacksonville probably thought the same thing. There was a lot of people who picked Jacksonville to win. Detroit, same boat. But I think this time, as you stated, these guys actually have some talent that they're capable of of winning on a on a a given basis you never know what they're going to bring it's going to be their best punch uh i think we are i agree with you we are in that same weight class uh with detroit until proven otherwise
3: i got a stat for you bro so i've been saying this all week long since 2005 washington has the sixth fewest wins in the nfl so when people talk about detroit jacksonville cleveland the raiders we are those teams so, like, don't, mm-hmm. don't 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 get it confused. Like, look at the company you've kept over the last 17 years. So I think as a fan base, we've got to do a better job of tempering our expectations. I know it's a win. We're happy. We're excited. But I've been watching you break down the film. It wasn't all perfect.
1: It wasn't, man. Um, and obviously, as we get into our key, as we can right now, uh, we'll talk about some of those things. And I'm going to hand the floor to you, man. We have three keys to Washington win. Uh, We'll give our three. Some of them may mesh well together because you never know what uh, each of us can bring to the table. So I'm going to give you the floor first on your first key, man. Who uh, or what is a key for you in in the Washington matchup against the Detroit Lions?
3: I don't even want to sound old school up front on both lines of scrimmage, offensive line and defensive line. We'll start on offensive. Protection up front has to be key. You all know the way uh, Washington handles their protections. Chase Rouillet is in charge of a lot of that. Detroit blitzed more than anybody in week one. They showed a bunch of different pressure looks. You saw them sending three man pressures with the defensive line and then blitzing DBs, a lot of man coverage. Um, Washington should be able to exploit that because I think we've got the better guys on the perimeter. But I think it all starts up front. They threw so many different pressure packages uh, at Philadelphia, and Carson Wentz is not as elusive as we all know as Jalen Hurts. So, how they handle that up front, uh, I think, is going to be huge. Um, like I mentioned, Washington should be doing all, a lot of quick game stuff this week, trying to get the ball out of Carson's hands quickly. And I think uh, they have the advantage in, in the coverage situation as well. Detroit played more man coverage in, in week one than any other team in the National Football League. So Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson are going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to win their one-on-one matchups. And they got to do it. You know, if they're going to win this football game. And then my last key is to stop the run. Like DeAndre Swift, I saw this number, five carries a 10 or more yards. I think you tweeted that out. Blew my mind away. The and then watching it on tape is different because you go out look at a box score and get fooled. He's finishing runs violently. Somebody who runs with good pad level. He's elusive. Saw a lot of arm tackling from Washington in in, in the week one against Jacksonville. You can't do that against Detroit or else he's going to make you pay. And the thing I loved about what they did a lot of counters and a lot of traps. And when you're doing stuff like that, the wide receivers have to have to block. I thought amon ross st brown did a nice job cracking down on the linebacker a couple times and you got a gang tackle 6.5 yards to carry as a team and then don't let these linemen get up to the second level because we all know cole hulkham and jamin davis had a rough game against jacksonville they're gonna have to bring their a game if they want to stop this uh detroit running a game
1: yeah i think to your first point um we're in agreement with uh the the uh the o-line and d-line thing and uh it was a lot. Actually, I guess I'll start with the the pressure package, right? I think that's probably more fitting. Um to your point of 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 how they sent so much pressure and obviously the man coverage on the back end, uh Detroit's defense, um, they blitz 49% of the time against Philadelphia. And the the kill is while they you know blitz 49% of the time, they only had a pressure rate of 28%. Um, so that's below, that's below the league average in week one, uh, 22nd in the NFL in terms of pressure rate. Uh, and then also Detroit rushed five or more rushers 68% of the time with press, press coverage behind it as well. So you're seeing, or you kind of understand like, what you want to do in terms of getting the ball out of a quarterback's hands quickly, quickly, but ultimately if you're not getting home against that quarterback, um, it's going to make things much more difficult on the backside. Uh, I, I think. I don't want to say to it like with with a degree of, a degree of certainty. I don't know why I couldn't spit that out that they had excellent coverage on the back end. Um, AJ Brown obviously had a, a field day um, with his ten catches. I think over hundred something yards. But in the same vein with Washington, when you talk about uh, up front, it's going to be important for Chase Rouay as you said to really understand what he's saying, But also, um, it's like the way they kind of disguise things up front when you have those showing six or seven people at the line of scrimmage but ultimately only sending five like you got to hit like it's, it's sometimes it comes it comes a gamble. but you got to understand like where that pressure is likely coming from we're not the experts here in terms of like what their day-to-day game plan is going to be like what their keys are what their tails are to say that the, the extra the extra man the fifth man is going to be on the left side and we need to slide protect over to the left side and leave uh sam Cosmi on the iso one-on-one with whoever's out there uh, we don't know any of that stuff but ultimately to your point uh, with that offensive line for Washington, uh, it's really going to come down to understanding where that pressure is coming from to give Carson Wentz some time because uh, I think the the best thing that Carson Wentz did, one of the best things that he did in Week One, um, was also like show that the, the ability to stay calm in the pocket, but also deliver timely timely passes. Like he wasn't always uh. Perfect in terms of getting the ball out of his hands quickly, but he did help his offensive lineman out in terms of when he, when he did have pressure, making sure that he found those checkdowns and things like that. But ultimately if you're not able to pick up the blitzes the way that, um, cause Jacksonville doesn't, they had a lot of soft coverage on the back end, but Detroit is much more aggressive. So if, if you're struggling up front against Carson Wentz or excuse me, against Detroit and Carson Wentz is having to deal with that on a quarter one basis up until quarter four, it's going to be a long day.
3: Yeah, I agree, bro. And like you said, it's about winning your individual matchups up front. Cause like you said, they did a lot of bluffing. I like to call it. So they'll walk down seven. They'll walk the safety down in the box, and the hands up dropping. You can't get confused if you're watching. I can see it now, bro. Because one thing I like <laughs> from Carson Wentz was, you know, he got the ball out of his hands quickly when he needed to. But sometimes he held the ball too long. You're not going to be able to do that. I believe he was like second in the NFL than uh, week one and holding the football and how long it took from the snap to throwing the football. I didn't ball. even know that. Yeah. That's so he's better with that. Um, Cause I don't think you're going to have that, that ability against Detroit. Like you mentioned Jacksonville presented a similar problem because they, they showed a lot of pressure looks too, but the difference was like you said, they're playing soft coverage behind it. Detroit's in your face playing man to man defense, Terry, Jahan, Curtis, Logan. I think we'll see the debut of Cole Turner this weekend. Everybody's going to have to win their one-on-one matchups on the outside. And I have confidence that they'll do that because if you look at detroit secondary like it's not very good (laughs) there's a reason philadelphia was able to exploit them
1: yeah and and to your to your point back back to the receivers jahan terry uh jd mckissick antonio gibson i think those are probably going to be like the four main guys for me obviously we know what Curtis Samuel can do but i think given uh how the the coverage is uh and and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see like how things actually play out because when you understand week one and uh, I think tendencies are always important to really uh, uh look back on cuz like obviously if you're playing so much man coverage and you're going up against a team in Washington who I think as we said like they have a lot of people on their on their offense who can beat man coverage. Like it's not it's not difficult for them to beat man coverage and create separation. So how are you going to defend against something like that? Are you going to play a little bit softer or are you going to be up in their face a lot? Jahan, from what I understand cuz I didn't fully I didn't fully focus on Jahan when I look back at the Jacksonville film, and I looked at the, the offense from a collective standpoint in the offensive line. But uh, some people are saying, and I will verify at some point, but he was struggling to get off press coverage when he saw some of those looks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what his matchups looks like against Jeff Akuda and things like that. I don't know if I buy that all the way. I'll, 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 yeah, I'm about to say that's why I said that's why I had to put that. I had to put that little uh, bookmark out there. I was like, hey, I'm gonna gonna I'm circle back to this. But I think if all else fails, you'll see what the truth is against a team like uh, Detroit who's actually much more aggressive. That's kind of why I put it out there. I floated it out there for a second, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the truth. We'll, we'll see when that time comes. Um, but, yeah, just to the point uh, of really being being able to beat those man coverage things, J.D. and Antonio Gibson it's going to be important because if you can see what they did against Jacksonville and being able to work uh, the middle of the field and even cross the the, the, the offense in a sense – trying to work certain routes and things like that, like that corner route, um, crossing crossing the, the formation of the offense and, and working the, the field side and things like that, I think, or the boundary, excuse me. Um, it's going to create a lot of opportunities for these guys, but uh, we'll see. I, I think the pressure part is is what's really nerve wracking um, because I, I just don't know to what degree uh, they'll be able to handle that from start to finish because Jacksonville hasn't done that um, and they didn't do that. So uh, we'll see. I think another thing too, for me on my side would probably be um, rush defense. Uh, like you mentioned again, that, that the trenches on both sides of the football, but I think it comes down to the defensive line and the linebackers for Washington, obviously speaking, but Jacksonville, I mean, excuse me, Detroit threw it sixty, nearly 60% of the time, uh, but that was mostly to do with them trailing. I don't think that there are offense that really wants to uh, pass it that amount, that many amount of times, like if they had an opportunity to redo and they didn't have the mistakes that they they had, like the, that pick six and um just I think three straight three and outs or something like that, they probably try to establish a ground game and keep the ground game rolling if they could. So, um I, I think that the 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 traps and counters that you mentioned. Uh, it's important for Washington to really understand their keys and, and make sure that Jamon Davis and Cole Holcomb, um, that's probably going to be a key part in the game because uh, if you have DeAndre Swift breaking off five runs that totaled 101 yards, uh, there, there's room for Washington to really uh, take control of the ground game and, and make uh, the Detroit Lions one-dimensional. But it all comes down to how you defend those those gap scheme plays. So... We'll see, but that's kind of my second key is more so the trenches and understanding that if you can control these guys from from reading your keys and, and being aggressive at the point of attack, then you're probably uh in a good shape to make uh Detroit one dimensional against a uh, Jared Goff who um he ain't look. Yeah, he he's a veteran, but he ain't somebody that you you should be you should be thinking or or, or having nightmares about. <laughs> that's me saying things nicely.
3: Look, so last week against Philadelphia, he only had eighty-eight yards passing. 58 seconds left to go in the third like you mentioned like they were throwing to come back and try to get back in the football game they want to run the ball and like you said with counters and traps you know ball bro your linebackers got to be on their best behavior defending stuff like that because a lot of the time you're trying to follow the offensive line you can get in trouble doing that with some of the misdirection that Detroit likes to do offensively in the run game and I want to get your opinion on this bro because you watch the tape a lot harder than I do bro like we just saw Jack Dorio have his press conference. He called out Jamin Davis multiple times. Him and Cole Holcomb, it felt like last week, were just a tick slow getting to everything. And sometimes, man, in football, I'd rather a guy go hit somebody and be in the wrong spot than just be, I call it tippy tattling. You're, you're, you're literally yeah. tiptoeing around the field. And it felt like our linebackers just did, didn't come to play last week. And if they don't do it this week, I, I guarantee DeAndre is just going to go crazy. And that's really like my number one concern is, is like you said, is the rushing game. I think offensively, Washington will be fine. They'll be able to score. It's can they make Detroit one-dimensional and make Jared Goff beat you? Because I think DeAndre Swift and their offensive line is extremely talented. He's one of the best backs in the league already.
1: Yeah. um, DeAndre was, it was it was very, I think, like, the shiftiness and the way he was able to create space for himself was was very uh, impressive from the sense of, like, when I saw it, I was like, damn. Like that's all I said. I, I couldn't say nothing else. I was just like, damn. <laughs> and and oh, right. seeing Deion- yeah, seeing DeAndre run, man, it was impressive because he was he was more so decisive than anything. And uh like obviously decisiveness really puts pressure on the defense to be disciplined from the jump. Like you don't have like taking false steps uh from a linebacker standpoint, you can't afford that if you're Jamie Davis or Cole Holcomb uh, committing to to one area, obviously, and that's with the misdirection and, and obviously the pulling and and in the uh the leaving the, the defensive lineman unblocked all these other things all these things to really think that you're in position where ultimately it's a play to get you out of position um it's it's important and, and for jack del rio because I, I did in the moment in which we're recording this i did just see it it happened probably like an hour or two ago but um I, it was hard for me to process this because i really didn't know exactly how to feel i did appreciate his honesty but I will only appreciate that honesty if you had said that to Jamin Davis as well. Like I, I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's hard because sometimes you know, coaches. It depends on how they how they know their player. Like if you said something like that, I don't even know the tone. So I, I wish I heard it. You're I right. didn't hear the tone either. So you you talk. I, I would rather you you talk to me about this one, Linnell, because I, I have no idea how he said it. Um, but it sounds like uh, it, it will would only be something worth worth bringing to the media is if you had that conversation with Jane.
3: And I think that's huge. And like you said, it's all about the relationship that you have with your players. I would hope Jack went and said something to Jamie before doing.
1: Exactly. That's
3: I would hope. Because look, I always <laughs> say, look, I'm a, and I know the players think this way, man. We're you're man, you're a man first at the end of the day. Like, forget football, forget everything. I'm a man at the end of the day. If you have an issue with how I'm playing, come talk to me. You're you're my coach, and we can go back to the preseason when Antonio Gibson put the ball on the turf. I hated that Ron Rivera went to, the pre- went to the press room and was like, yeah, you guys asked him about this. When I was A.G., man. I have a huge problem. Like, Ron, why don't you ask me about this? You know what I'm saying? So I hope they went to Jamin. I didn't hear the tone of it either. So, like, okay. I'll, once we get off here, I'll, I'll get a chance to go listen to it. This is kind of getting off topic here. I think success will bury a lot of the underlying issues that I think that they have internally in that building. I don't think Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio get along very well. If you notice the demeanor and tone in his press conferences, he's always saying, "I leave that up to coach." I leave that up to coach. Ask Ron about this. Ask Ron about that. From, I've heard some things, and I won't divulge who I heard it from, but they they don't see eye to eye a lot of the time. So that's interesting.
1: Well, to be honest with you, Linnell, I'm really not surprised. Like it's it's actually was a conversation leading to last season. Um, and, and it's literally it's kind of crazy that you you brought it up because. Um, on the Hogs Haven platform, at least I haven't spoke on it, but on Trapper Dive, uh, we we speculated and, and really did the math, like the calculating our heads several times, and um, the way in which uh, Jack Del Rio responds to questions, uh, about from through the media questions that they actually pick up from Ron, like these Ron cues, and they're asking him asking Jack Del Rio like about situations and and how he's playing his defense and. What does he do? Linnell, he says, hey, talk to coach about it. Yeah, talk like, to or if, if he got a decision that, that needs to be made, or if he says something, hey, you take that up with him. I'm going to stay out of it. And, I mean, I respect respect the Jack Del Real for not getting messy, but, uh, well, when it comes to football, not getting messy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but, but you know, it, it is something where it's like I'm not surprised, uh, and, and obviously I know you, so uh, if you're hearing some things, again, it is what it is, and, and hopefully they can just take these dubs, or hopefully have a successful season because um we ought to know the pressure that's on Jack Del Rio. And and if he can't perform, then what we're what we're looking at is probably uh something that's probably uh consistent of Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, and to be determined in terms of coordinator.
3: He'll be if anything goes negative this year, he'll be the first one to fall on the sword. I, I'm telling you. His seat I always use the phrase "tacky hot. His seat is burning. They're one, even if, if they were the loss against Jacksonville, you would have been, I mean, we would have been talking about his job security going into this week. I think we're a bad, we're a loss, the combination of a loss and a bad performance defensively away from people calling for his job. It's, it's contentious over there. And it's, it's, just, it's now starting to seep into the media and even being out there at camp. It's rare. Like I never saw them interact with each other. I'm talking about Ron and Jack. And I thought the dynamic in their relationship would be so much better. Cause you remember when, in uh, Rivera's first year, he was dealing with the cancer. Jack Del Rio was a de facto head coach at that yeah. point. So I don't know if that time period did something to ruffle the feathers between those two, but you could just tell, man. They don't seem like they're like they're seeing eye to eye, and they fired uh, the assistant defensive line coach during camp. So Ron clearly isn't isn't afraid to pull the trigger on
2: something.
1: Yeah, uh, although I do stand by one thing. I don't think that. I think Ron Rivera was doing it for somebody and not for him. Like I don't think while they, they, they say that you know he gave him the, the warning in the offseason. Um I, I don't think that this was a thing where he like if he had if he had all decision left up to him, uh he probably would have kept Sam Mills. I think he was pulling either for his players or for his coordinator, if not a combination of his player and his coordinator. Um but my third thing and my final thing uh was Speak since we're on the defensive side, I, I saved the best for lads is make go off uncomfortable. <laughs> um, you have to continue to pressure this week. I loved what Washington did against Jacksonville, Jaguars. and Um, and, and I think the the one thing that kind of hurt Jacksonville is uh, they did have some like, some inexperience up front, and really, Washington made a, a living working that rookie center for, for Jacksonville, but obviously having their wins against uh, the entire offensive line. Monte Sweat won often, uh, Deron Payne won. Against Brandon Sheriff a couple of times, and then you know Jonathan Allen did his thing on the left side or the right side of the defense. Uh, but ultimately, to 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 my third point, um, golf is golf's decision making. Uh, it comes really cloudy when he senses pressure, like the ball is out extraordinarily fast like the ball is out quickly it doesn't matter where he's going to like he's just going to throw it to an area like he's just going to dump it off and you have to force him into those poor throws and get washington uh your defense some opportunities and and create some more uh drives for your offense because i think uh, when i was watching golfers pressured several times against philadelphia and on the times that i saw that he was pressured uh, he, Philadelphia forced one interception and then they forced another one that should have been intercepted. So he had like a sub 50% completion percentage under pressure. And a lot of those, uh, or a couple of those forced uh, some terrible decisions and you have to take advantage of those for golf. And like I said, when it comes to Jared altogether, he's not, he's a veteran. He's not no superstar or anything like that. But I think what, what really hurts Washington, if they aren't able to get this pressure or make it a consistent thing for Jared golf is the back end we talked about the the issues or, or concerns with Jack Del Rio but with so many excuse me with so many um uh blown coverages against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence not being able to take advantage of it either it being from his his inaccuracy or being pressured I don't think a quarterback like Jared Goff is going to miss that if you give him time and no. that's that's my that's the, my ultimate concern you have to make him uncomfortable yeah,
3: he's a veteran, man. Like you said, look, he's not as athletic as Trevor Lawrence, but he can still make plays, you know, if you allow him to do so. And you mentioned the blown coverage is like, that can't happen. If week one against Jacksonville it's a good receiving core. This is an even better receiving core, in my opinion. I was listening actually to, to John Kyneman with Eric Woodward, and he was talking about just the excitement that they've got in Detroit with that receiving core, DJ Chark, Hawkinson, Amon St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, like they got guys. So if you're Washington, like marrying up the pass rush and the coverage is going to be huge. I saw you tweet about this as well. I thought they did a nice job against Jacksonville with their their discipline and their timing when running some of these games and stunts up front. And I think the one thing is you got to be careful with how much you call that as as a defense because you're leaving yourself vulnerable uh, against the run. So. As long as they can, you know, find ways to manufacture pressure with four. I don't even think man, manufacturing pressure with four is that key against golf. You can send the kitchen sink because like you said, it's all about making him uncomfortable and then banking on him not being able to find the open guy.
1: That's true. Uh especially I, I think when when you can trust First of all, two things. I mean, you can trust your your front rush, your your pass rush, to really get home and win on a consistent basis. That's going to be one thing. I think the Buffalo Bills is probably the only team in the NFL last week in week one who who truly rushed for. And what success looked like is how about this? Go back and look at that game for anybody that's listening. Like, if you want to see what success looks like from your front four by itself, you take a look at that game. But if Washington can really uh, increase their presence and their 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 pressure, uh, at least let's say sixty percent of the time. Creating some type of some type of uh uh win up front with your with your front four, then you're in good shape. But obviously, like like we said, golf is a guy where if you're trusting him to really uh take advantage of some of the the mistakes that a, that a defense can make, he can do it. But if you're if you're Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb having those uh mistakes where you you're not necessarily sure where you're supposed to be if you're supposed to be in the flat or the hook, um, and then obviously William Jackson um you're you're facing you're facing some some very some good receivers with some some speed and some acceleration and they can threaten you as quickly as possible uh you got to figure some things out like they didn't pray that, that that much press man with with william jackson in week one and we knew the story last last year but um ultimately this is going to be a situation where you you got to figure out how to marriage the front end with the back end and uh you got to play a little bit more aggressive on the back side really to, to help out to help out that pass rush too because um, they're not looking that good in space.
3: Yeah, at all. Like, the corners, I thought the corners, the linebackers struggled. They blew a lot of coverage just last week. Like you said, though, like, they got to use him in press man situations. Even when they're pressing him, he's bailing, it seems like. So, like, I just want to see them be more physical at the line of scrimmage, like, with whoever they're playing. Just to, you know, talk about the defensive backs. Like, that's my, like, number one issue. And that's where I think all the issues for them stem from, like, you know, it's much easier to go run a route when you're not being redirected. You know what I'm saying? Like, And when you're slower and less gifted athletically, and I think that's going to be the case with our corners against a lot of wide receiving cores, Kendall Fuller and William Jackson aren't burners by any stretch of the imagi- uh Excuse me, any stretch of the imagination. They want to – I think they're most successful when they're physical and trying to redirect and reroute guys and, and play in their hip pocket. But you saw a lot on Sundays. Dave Jones and, and Marvin Jones is running away from guys. So hopefully we don't see that on Sunday.
1: <clears throat> Hopefully not. Uh last thing Linnell, what's the what's the, the the take on on Detroit, man? Do you think that they get out of here with a dub? I, I know you said you hope they don't get punched in the mouth, but what's your what's your gut take here as we're recording, man? Is this a Washington win or are we talking about going into the Philadelphia game one and one? <laughs> I mean,
3: bro, I know it's going to be high scoring. If you're a gambler, smash the 48-and-a-half. That's going over. I just think Washington has too many weapons offensively for Detroit uh, to be able to contend with. But on the defensive side, I don't know if we can stop them. So, like, I think it'll be like a 31-30 type of game. I'll say Washington wins 31-30, just so I don't look like I'm a, I'm tripping, picking against us. But as a fan, bro, I'm terrified against Detroit right now. I don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah, um it's it's hard man trying to project if these guys can really uh win two in a row and it's unfortunate but that's the that's the case with washington because they haven't done it in over 11 years so uh that's that's really where we're at uh, let, i'll give you the floor because i know you got to get ready to get up out of here let the people know where they can find you hear from you uh, read from you everything that you got going on big dogs i know you got a blog as well so the floor is yours i appreciate you joining me
3: hey i appreciate you having me man. uh follow me on twitter and instagram n-e-l-l underscore btp and then our weekdays, what's that? Monday through Friday on the team, 980, 12-3, Burgundy and Gold today. And then overtime on 106.7, the fan following Grant and Daniel on select nights. So I'm, you know how I do, man. I'm all over. And you place.
1: everywhere, man. 980, 106.7, bro. You making your way, making that headway through the, the DC radio, bro. We need a voice like you. You know uh, what I mean by that. We need a voice like you, and, and you're doing a good job, bro. So keep doing the good work, uh, and, and obviously uh, keep pushing, bro. Appreciate you joining me again. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Appreciate Jeremy. Appreciate Linnell for coming through. Uh, my score prediction is 33-27 Washington. I think that Jahan Dotson is going to be the MVP. He's going to have a big day for Washington. With all that being said, we'll be back to talk about it all on the post game So see you all Sunday.